All right. Hey, listen, man, we serve a resurrected Savior. Amen. Let's clap it up for that. He has overcome. Man, as as we were singing that last song, I'm sitting there thinking, man, how in the world do you not just, you know, does that not move you? Just what we're proclaiming. Hey, if you're, if you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I'm glad you guys are here. Man, it's so awesome to be able to be back this week for the comeback. You know, we've talked about this. Uh, there's times in life that we think we've, you know, we've been knocked down, beat down. But you know what? God is all about a comeback. And last week we talked about the greatest comeback of all time. That was Jesus and the power of the resurrection. And so we celebrate a risen Savior. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate a risen Savior. And hopefully for you, if you're a follower of Christ, you have put your faith in Christ. And and, and that means something to you. It drives you. It motivates you. It empowers you. And so today we're going to look at someone who had an incredible comeback as well. We talked about Jesus last week. This is what we're going to talk about Peter's comeback. If you know much about the story of Peter, you know, it's often, uh, you know, reminds us of what he did. You know, he blew it. And many of us, you know, we've blown it in some way. And there's people in life. I mean, we know a lot of people that, you know, they've, they've come close to, to blowing it or whatever. It seems like they're down, they're out. You know, I think back to some of the guys that pop into my mind, like Steve Jobs, who started a little company called Apple, you know, and, you know, somehow, some way he gets uh, fired or voted out or whatever and ends up coming back and taking that little company to a whole nother level. And then you think about guys like Abraham Lincoln, who, you know, ran for, you know, just impacted our history like no other president seems like. But yet he lost like six elections. You know, he, he wasn't a quitter. And then one of the ones that always pops into my mind when I think of a comeback, I think of Frank Wright, who is the, uh, who was backup quarterback for the, for the uh, Buffalo Bills. And he led them to, to a win in the playoffs against the Houston Oilers. And, and it was kind of a, like an unbelievable deal. But the favorite part of that for me is after, you know, the, the game is over and, They've got the press in there, the reporters in there, and they begin to ask about how this happened. He pulls out, he pulls out the lyrics to the song in Christ alone. And he begins to read the lyrics from that song. And now a lot of people don't give the press to that, but I'm just telling you, that's what took place. So he didn't care. He was bold enough to say, it is only because of Christ this took place today. And he has given me this opportunity to share what he can do. Isn't that awesome? I mean, so I love a comeback. So Peter, Peter's a comeback, man. He's a great comeback story. What is a comeback? Comeback is to win or succeed after being close to defeat or failure. Close to defeat or failure. And let me just say this. I know when we look back at the cross of Christ and we look at back at the, uh, the resurrection, we know, you know what? He, Jesus was not close to defeat. He, you know, Satan may have thought he was close to victory. The world may have thought, you know, hey, that evil had won. But I'm just telling you, it was never in question in God's mind. God says in, 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 in Scripture, it says from the beginning of time, from, from creation on, it was that Jesus would be crucified. So God knew the plan all along, all through the, the text, all through the Scriptures. He knew where he was going. It wasn't a surprise to him about the power of the resurrection. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus. But here's the thing. It was a surprise to the world and to many who were watching. And so a comeback is to win or succeed after being close to defeat or failure, like some of these guys that we've talked about. But we see here that Jesus, you know, he predicts Peter's denial. And if you know the story, you know, Jesus, is, he's kind of set it up. He, he, he's, he's telling uh, the guys what's going to happen. He's saying, hey, listen, this is going to happen. So this is the Last Supper. He's already said, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And they're going like, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? And then one, you know, whenever Judas dips it in there, he goes, go and do quickly what you've got to do. And so Judas would betray Jesus. And so we see that Jesus is kind of setting all this up. And so they're leaving 
the Lord's Supper, and they're literally going to, to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a beautiful scene because we see the anguish that Jesus is in in the Garden. He knows that the cup, you know, is before him. He's saying, Father, can this cup pass from me? Not my will, but your will. And what he's saying, he goes, hey, Jesus knew what the cross would be. I mean, sometimes we, I think people wonder, I wonder if Jesus knew what was going to happen. Yes. And the Father had already told him, hey, this has got to happen. And so he's going to the garden. He's praying for strength. He was human like we're human. Jesus was fully human, yet fully God. And so he's praying for strength. And he's praying for the disciples. To on the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. So he's telling the disciples, the ones who have been following for years, the ones who he had been sharing meals with, the ones that he had just said and instituted communion with, you know, he said, hey, this bread is my body, it would be broken. This, this wine represents the blood that will be poured out for you, for the sins of the world. And so he's done life with these guys. Listen to the response. It says, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will, scattered, will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Remember last week we were sharing the passage where the ladies who had been at the, the, the garden, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, you know, the angel told them, hey, listen, he's going to see you in Galilee. Jesus has already told them what he's going to do, right? Jesus is good for his word. You know, what he speaks is truth. And so he's telling them, hey, he's telling the disciples this before he ever even goes to a mock trial or anything, before he's even arrested. And so he's telling them what's going to happen. He said, but, but, but after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. So you would have thought they would think, we were thinking, hey, that's where we're meeting. That would have been on their mind. But we saw last week that it wasn't that way. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. So Peter kind of arrogantly says, hey, all these other losers may, may blow it, but I will never leave you. I will never desert you. And so Peter's making it about him in a way. And so he's pointing this out. He said, hey, listen, they, these other guys may do it, but I won't do it. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you ever, that you even know me. All right, so think about that. So Jesus said, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. Just understand, before the, ro- the, the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny, deny me three times. You know, and there's something else in this. I don't know if this kind of stuck out to you guys, but to me it stuck out. So Jesus replied, i tell you the truth. Y'all ever say, hey, uh, just to be honest with you. To be honest, y'all ever do that? And people go, well, have you not been honest with me up until this point? You know, and I'm like, no, I, I haven't been. But I'm just trying to emphasize. Look, hey, look here. Jesus said to tell you the truth. So I feel like, you know, it's okay sometimes to do that, to say, hey, to be honest with you, hey, just to tell you the truth, whatever. Jesus did it. I'm going to do it. So that government, I feel good about that. But anyway, that's on there. So he tells him, hey, the rooster's going to crow. You're going to blow it. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples bowed the same. They all promised the same thing. So, man, we'll never do that. But see, Jesus knows us. And he knows how weak we can be. And he knows how concerned we are sometimes with what's going on around us. Rather than being focused on him and the kingdom. He knows that our eyes are often on the world and the things of this world. And he knows how we battle and how we struggle with the flesh. And with just some of our, even, even our desires. So... What we see happen here is Jesus is arrested. He goes into the garden. He's there. Judas betrays him with a kiss. You know, and so they come. And, and, and many of you maybe know the story, but there's also a point in there where Peter literally takes a sword and cuts a, one of the guards' ears off. And, 
you know, and, and anyway, Jesus picks it up and puts it back on the side of his head. I mean, for me, that would be enough to go, hey, like something special about this guy. But anyway, the, you know, so Peter, you know, is rebuked in that. And so they all scatter, just like Jesus said, they all scatter, they all take off. And so they take him back for the mock trials. Many, much of what we talked about last week, there's these mock trials, there's these beatings, there's these scourgings that Jesus is going through, that he is literally going through. And so it's kind of going all through the night. And so we see what's happening here. So it says, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. And so as Jesus is being questioned and, and ridiculed and, you know, and all this, you know, Peter's kind of off in the distance, kind of in the shadows, watching what is happening to his leader and to his Lord. And a girl confronts him and he denies him. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. So he goes from being a lion to, hey, I'll never, I'll never desert you to being a liar. And oftentimes, you know, you know, we're that way. We, all it takes is a little pressure and man, we buckle. And we buckle and we fold and, you know, hey, I would never do this or I'll never do that. And all of a sudden, all it takes is a little pressure and man, we fold. And that's what Peter did. So he denies, he denies Christ. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. She, she, she recognized him or something. And again, Peter denied it this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. No longer does he call him Jesus. No longer does he call him Lord, Messiah. You know, he doesn't call him anything. He calls him the man. I don't even know this man. Wouldn't even call Jesus by name. So he's disowned him. He's distanced himself as much as he can verbally from who Jesus is. And so he just got through saying, what, hours before, I'll never desert you. I'll never do this. It was I, I, I. And man, he's saying, hey, listen, you know, it's, it's, I would never do that, Lord. But yet Jesus knows everything about Peter. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. In other words, they could tell by the accent that he was from the same area. And, and, and they go, you must be one of his followers. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. Again, it's just a man. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And so, you, you know, you just imagine what's going on in, in Peter's mind. Right now he's on the defense. He's trying to, it's self-preservation. I'm trying to take care of myself. I'll do whatever I have to do to take care of me. It's all about me. And so he's in this self-preservation mode. And so he begins to just lie, lie, lie. And he's denying. And it says, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. You know, in in some of the Gospels, it it gives the, it, it tells that Jesus looked at Peter. And that they made eye contact. And so can you imagine that, you know, you say all this just hours before and then everything that Jesus said takes place. And about the time when you hear that, that, that cock crow and you look over and you see Jesus there being humiliated, beaten, everything that's going on, this mock trial. And you make eye contact with him. And so it says that, that Peter literally ran away. He wept bitterly. He wept bitterly, just went away weeping broken and there may be some of you in this room that maybe you feel that way you feel like you know what man i'm i've blown it i've blown it maybe in your marriage 
You've you betrayed someone. You denied someone. You cheated someone. Maybe you cheated your family. Maybe you cheated your your friends. Maybe you disowned someone because you wanted to fit in with the crowd. They began to make fun of someone that you're close to, and instead of being the defender, you joined in with them. You know, growing up, one of the things they used to always say was if if a kid is being bullied on a playground, if one kid, if one child will stand with them, oftentimes the, the, the bullies will go away. So oftentimes what we do is we, we abandon them for self-preservation to watch out for ourselves and, and we let someone go down or whatever. And so maybe there's some of you in here that you've blown it. You're just like Peter. I mean, you've blown it. You know, the one thing I love is a statement here. It's never too late for a comeback. It's never too late for a comeback. Think about this. You know, Peter has, has, has literally seen Jesus crucified. He's seen him die. He's seen him breathe his last. He's been laid in a borrowed tomb. You know, he's huddled up with the other guys in fear of these leaders that they're going to come in after them next. And so, man, if you would think, all right, that's the end. So Jesus is, I mean, so Peter's probably thinking, Jesus is dead. I'll never be able to say, I'm sorry. I'll never be able to go back and apologize. He was right. I was wrong. I blew it. And he's thinking, it's over with. But I'm just telling you, it's never too late for a comeback. It's never too late for a comeback. I think about the thief on the cross who hung next to Jesus. Last week we, we talked about you know what the cross was like and how humiliating it was. And it was a place for criminals. But Jesus was no criminal. So Jesus hanging on the cross and there's a thief hanging next to him who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Who puts his faith in Christ for salvation. And even hanging on a cross for his crimes. He is a criminal. He cries out. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late for a comeback. We have breath in our body. If we have breath in our body, we have an opportunity for a comeback. I mean, hanging on a cross, just moments from death. Maybe it's laying in a deathbed. There's an opportunity for a comeback. That's how much God loves you and wants a relationship with you. A temporary loss doesn't mean permanent defeat. That's, that's a good one for us to be reminded of. A, a temporary loss does not mean permanent defeat. You know, there's, there's times that we, 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 man, we blow it. And we, we all blow. We've all blown it, right? We're all, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've blown it. But the thing is, is if we're in a pattern of blowing it and we're not broken over that, we're not repentant of that, we're not worried about that, we're just saying, hey, well, that's what everybody else does. And we begin to justify our sin. It's a dangerous place to live and a dangerous place to be. But here we see that Peter has blown it. And and I want you to see something, you know, this temporary loss. And understand, it does not mean permanent defeat. Some of you guys have, you've blown it. But it doesn't mean it's over. Maybe you've blown it in your marriage. It does not mean that your marriage is over. You've blown it with your child. It does not mean that that relationship is over. We have to keep working at that relationship. Maybe you've blown it with your parents. It doesn't mean that that relationship is over. God is a God who heals. And God is a God who restores. And God is a God who redeems. And so we need to lean into that with faith. But I I love this. This is out of the Gospel of Luke here. And so what Jesus is saying here is he he already knows what's going to happen. And he's telling Simon, he's telling Peter, he said, Hey, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. I mean, think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Promised One, is praying for Peter, for him to be strong, for him to be bold. To him to be, for him to be courageous. And so I would just say this to you guys too. Jesus is praying for us. 
He sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, praying for us. And I'm telling you, you've got the Son of God praying for you, interceding for you. He wants to do great things to you. But this is what I love, this next line right here. So this is Jesus talking to Peter. He says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus already knows what's coming. He already knows that Peter is going to blow it. But he says, hey, listen, whenever you've repented and you've turned to me, when you've left that sinful mentality, that selfish mentality, hey, when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. I want you to be there for the other guys. So Jesus and Luke is already telling him, hey, listen, be prepared to strengthen the other leaders. He says, I'm going to use you to lead the church. See, what I love to, you know, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, last Sunday, we celebrate that, but that's not the end. That began something, that kick-started something incredible called the church that would sweep this whole globe, that would literally permeate. There's, there's churches all over the world today where the gospel is being presented. There are people that are putting their faith in Christ today, today, Somewhere, somehow, someone is hearing the gospel. It may be someone sharing their faith on a street corner, but there are people that are putting their faith in Christ, and so the church continues to grow. 2.3 billion people that put their faith in Christ. And so the, what is getting kick-started by this power of the resurrection, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, Peter, you're going to lead it. You're going to take these guys. You're going to have to strengthen them. Peter preaches to the crowd preaches to the crowd and what's happening here this is in acts chapter two and and so i want you to under, kind of understand what's happened so the resurrection has taken place jesus had an encounter uh with with peter and the disciples and there's a, a beautiful picture in john chapter 21 where jesus reinstates peter where he reinstates him and so they're out fishing on a boat and you know peter said hey i'm going fishing so they go out and they do what they know to do right so they're out there and and there's this encounter that where jesus uh, literally reinstates peter and and so they're out fishing, they hadn't caught anything, and, and Jesus from the seashore says, hey, throw it out on the other side. And they're thinking, these are pro fishermen, they've been fishing all night. It's like, okay, and so they throw it out. And then John, I love how John writes, John said, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved, he still has some eye issues in there. But anyway, he go, you know, he says, it's the Lord. And so Peter, ta- you know, takes off and dives into water and starts swimming to Jesus. And whenever they get up there, they've got like 153 fish in this net. And so Jesus is on the seashore, and he's made them breakfast. And he begins to have a conversation with Peter. And he asks Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? He goes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I'm thinking, no, not if, you know, he knows what you did just a few days ago, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, is Peter goes, Lord, you know that I love you. He goes, then feed my, my sheep. He goes, Jesus asks him again, he goes, Peter, do you love me? He goes, Lord, you know that I love you. He goes, then feed my lambs. And then he asked him one third time. He goes, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. Now, God, Jesus was talking about an agape type love there in the first couple of questions. But Peter was thinking just a brotherly type love. But the, the incredible thing about that is, is Jesus was, he was preparing him. He's challenging, he's stretching Peter. And so he would also let Peter know, hey, listen, you're going to be leading you're going to be leading the church. You're going to be investing. So he tells me, hey, listen, care for my sheep. Minister to them. Take care of them. And so Peter is reinstated, and then, then Pentecost is taking place. Pentecost is taking place. They're, they're there in the city of Jerusalem, and there's this, everyone's there, and, and there's this huge crowd of people. And then 
the Holy Spirit, God sends the Holy Spirit, and it falls on all these believers. And it says the flames fell on them, looked like tongues, and, and they were able to speak in the same dialect of all these thousands of people that are from everywhere. And so Peter is there, and he begins to preach. And so Peter preaches to the crowd. I love this. It says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. He's going, you guys know what he could do. But God knew what would happen, and his, pre- his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. All of that God knew about. It's not like it snuck up on him, and Peter's proclaiming that. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Look at the boldness. I mean, just a few days ago, he was huddled up in a room out of fear, right? Fear of the Jewish leaders. Here, he's proclaiming it to everybody. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep its grip on him. Man, don't you love it? I mean, the, the, the resurrection didn't end last weekend. I hope you guys understand that. Man, it's the power of God at work here. Death couldn't hold him. That's where this boldness comes for, you know, comes forward in, in, in Peter and these guys here. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Man, we talked about it. He said, man, we've seen this. We're witnesses of this. We've seen it. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And he sits there praying for you and for me. He's praying for Peter. He's praying for all of us. And God's desires that we would all be saved. Look at this. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. And so what had just happened was the Holy Spirit had just fell on these people and everybody's going like, what in the world is going on? It's like this, this whirlwind that had come in and they're speaking in all these languages and they're going, how can this be? And some even begin to go, man, are they drunk? I mean, what is the deal? And he's like, man, it's like nine in the morning. This ain't drunkenness, son. This is the Holy Spirit at work here. He said, you just seen it. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Boy, you talk about boldness. He's just saying, hey, guys, this is the way it is. This is God's plan. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Don't you love that? They're pierced. They're broken. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, but these guys are pierced by their actions. Their transgressions are bothering them. There's conviction there. There's a desire to, hey, I want to be made right with God. And let me just tell you, if we ever get to the point where there's no conviction, where we're not bothered by our sins... Maybe you're not bothered by lying. You can lie and it doesn't seem to bother you at all. Maybe you can steal and it doesn't seem to bother you at all. Hey, I was raised that way. You know, or whatever it might be. Maybe you're, you're greedy. Maybe you're jealous. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you hate. You know, whatever it might be. And you just, you justify it and say, hey, well, I was raised that way. That's just the home I was raised in. But I'm just telling you, God changes us. He doesn't leave us in what we were raised in. He brings us out of that and He empowers He gives us a new heart and a new name. He gives us a new focus and a new value system. And so when we look back at this, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him to, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And I wish people would ask that every Sunday. God, what should I do today? When I give next steps at the end, that, I'm trying to, hey, here's a couple of hints, guys. Here's a couple of things to consider. But if we would say, God, what should I do today? God, I know this is sin in my life. I'm broken over it. I'm, and God, what should I do? I love what Peter says here. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He's preaching to unbelievers. 
But I would just say he preaches to us as well and said, hey, listen, if we're living in sin, we need to repent of it. We need to turn from it. If you remember what repentance was, we covered this a few weeks ago. Repentance is when we change how we think about Jesus and we change how we think about sin. It's a change of mind and a change of heart, which ends up in a change of direction. And we, no want to, we no longer want to live for this world, but we want to live for the kingdom of God. And we want to live in such a way that, you know what, other people are drawn to that. And other people get to hear about the life-changing message of the gospel. And that their lives are saved, their souls are saved, their lives are changed. That's what this is about. So Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Only when we put our faith in Christ for salvation, Jesus says he will place within us. His Holy Spirit. He will place that within us to lead us, to guide us, to counsel us, to comfort us, to pray for us in ways that we don't even know how to pray. And He seals us with that Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. In other words, we become part of His family, part of His church, part of the bride of Christ. Peter no longer denies Jesus, but boldly proclaims Him. What changed? What changed that He would deny Him, that He would disown Him? He would always even curse Him and say, I don't know that blankety blank. But all of a sudden now it's like, man, I'm standing in front of everybody. 3,000 people put their faith in Christ on that day. 3,000 people heard the gospel and responded by faith. 3,000 people's souls were saved by the power of the gospel. And so now Peter is like, you know what? We have seen him resurrected and there, there's nothing that's going to hold us back. We're, we're boldly proclaiming God's truth. And let's, let's look. He doesn't slow down at all. Peter preaches repentance because he understood the power of it. See, Jesus had told him in Luke, hey, listen, buddy, you're going to have to repent. When you repent and you return to me, I'm going to use you to strengthen your brothers. He's going to use him to proclaim the gospel. He's going to use him to lead the church. He's going to use him to literally start something that the man that, that hell can't hold back. The gates of hell can't hold the church back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's one of those things where we go, you know what, Peter, you're fixing to be used in a powerful way. And I'm just telling you and me, if we will repent, God will do great things in us and through us. If we'll repent and turn back to him. It's the power. of He understood the power. Peter proclaimed hope to those that had blown it. Can you imagine being in the crowd and hearing Peter say, hey, listen, Jesus, whom you crucified, in other words, you're standing in the crowd and you realize, you know what? I'm the one that yelled, crucify him. I'm the one that chose Barabbas. I'm the one that was part of that. Man, you feel like you've blown it. I helped crucify the Son of God. I can't imagine the remorse that they must feel, but he offered them hope, right? And so he's offering hope to those that had blown it. So P Peter preaches in the temple. I love this. So we see that Peter, you know, preaches there at Pentecost. Men, there's thousands saved. And then he's going into the temple, and, and the word has spread. I mean, 3,000 people get saved. Everybody in the area knows what's going on. And so they're walking in, and there's, a, there's this cripple guy. He's been crippled for his whole life, that 40-something years. And so he, he kind of sees them coming by, and he reaches up asking for money. That's how he got, his, he got his sustenance in life was by begging. He was a beggar. And so Peter, Peter and John say, hey, listen, man, silver and gold, we have none. But what we do have is we have Jesus. And he, they reach down and take him by the hand. They stand him up. And, man, all of a sudden he's healed. He's able to walk. He's excited. He's celebrating. His life's been changed forever. And so Peter and John are, are part of this. And so everybody is amazed. Everybody's like, wait, that's the guy that we've known for years. For 40-something years, this guy's been crippled. So everybody, there's not any question about whether or not he's been healed. I love this. Peter saw an opportunity. 
Peter saw an opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, why is it so surprising? What is so surprising about this? I'm thinking, you know, Peter's probably going, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He's defeated the grave. He's defeated death. Why would a crippled person walking be so big of a deal? But he said, hey, listen, man, God is able to do even greater things. And why stare at us as though we, as though we have made this man walk by our own power of godliness? You notice the we in that? It's no longer the I. It's we. Peter's not saying, I will never deny you. I did this. It's we. And here's the thing. He's pointing to Jesus. It's not about Peter anymore. It's not about, hey, everybody notice what I did. I picked him up by the hand. I, it's about Jesus now. Everything is about pointing to Christ. For, for it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. He said, hey, guys, it's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about him. It's about him being glorified. And so everything now is pointing towards Jesus. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. In other words, you chose to put him on the cross. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead, of demand, instead demanded the release of a murderer. He's throwing it on him. He's not holding back. He's saying, this is what you guys did. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Again, we've seen him. He cooked fish on the seashore for me. He made bread and fed me breakfast. I've touched his hands. I've touched his side. And so Peter is just making it as clear as he knows how to make it. We've seen him and death could not hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. He's saying, listen, it's only about Jesus Peter has changed everything. It's not about Peter anymore. It's about Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. Peter and John before the, the council. So let me tell you what happens next. So, you know, word gets out. Hey, look, Jesus, um, Peter heals this guy through the power of Jesus' name. This guy is healed. So it causes an uproar there in the temple. So they gather them together. They arrest them. And so now they're about to go before the council. And if you'll remember, just a few days earlier... They're huddled up in fear of the Jewish leadership, right? So here's these guys who are in fear of their lives that are probably covered with anxiousness, trying to figure out, hey, what are we going to do? Where are we going to hide? Where are we going to go? To now, man, they're up in the middle of everything and they're proclaiming the truth. So the next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Now, you would think that would make them a little bit apprehensive and a little bit anxious because that's the way they were a few weeks ago, but not after the resurrection, not after Jesus had appeared to them, not after Jesus had empowered them, not after Jesus had filled them with the Holy Spirit. Now it's a boldness and a courage that only comes through God. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John Alexander, and, and other relatives of the high priest. So this is all the big shots. This is the big guys, right? These are the ones that had put Jesus on the cross. These are the ones that had worked the crowd into a frenzy. It says, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power and in whose name have you done this? In other words, they're, 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 fixing to, they're fixing to straighten this out. They think, hey, we took care of Jesus, but they didn't. And so here, they're going to take care of these guys, but they can't. And I love it. So look at this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? And I'm sure they did. 
You know, so, but he's almost kind of giving them a little backhand. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. There's no cowardness in that. Woo! Man, is that good? Y'all can clap it up for Jesus on that one. I'm just telling you. That's who we celebrate. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, listen, there's nothing that is, uh, I'm afraid of anymore. There's a boldness and a courage that is in Peter that is no longer Peter's flesh, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in him. And so now whatever he faces, he has no fear of because he is not living in, with a spirit of fear anymore, but a power and a sound mind. And so he is standing before this, this, this council, if you will, letting them know the truth. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. I love that. You rejected him, but Jesus was, he was just building the church. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we, we must be saved. There are sometimes people think, well, you know, there's all kinds of roads that lead to heaven. No, there's one. And it's the person of Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, well, you know, if I'm good enough, maybe I'll get in. That's not the way it works. Your good deeds are like filthy rags. It's only by faith in what Christ has done on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. When we put our faith in Him and we surrender to who He is, we become a part of the family of God. We become a part of the church, the bride of Christ. And here's the thing. We have been given marching orders. We have been given a message to share. And this is what I love about Peter. You know, Peter is not only trying to live out his faith. He is speaking his faith. And there are times, and I understand there's a good statement out there that says, Hey, you know, share the gospel and if need be, use words. I think you need to use words as well. You know, we, we, we live out our faith, we live in such a way that others see Jesus in us, but we also have to be able to tell and be willing to tell them the truth, God's Word. There's a lot of Scripture that we're covering today. There's a lot of text that we're reading today, but let me just say this. I would rather you guys hear the Word of God and read the Word of God than my opinion, because my opinion doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But I will say this, the Word of God never returns void. It always accomplishes its task. It's always busy about doing what God has designed it to do. And so when God's word goes forward, I'm just telling you, truth sets people free. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Don't you love that? That God can use anybody. God can use ordinary fishermen. I think a lot of times we always want to disqualify ourselves and we say, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough and I don't know enough about the Bible and I don't know this and I don't know that. And what we do is we work against ourselves and what we do is we disqualify ourselves whenever God is saying, hey, listen, if you put your faith in Christ, I have filled you with the Holy Spirit. I qualify you. I equip the called. I give you what you need. And so whenever we get our mind around that, you know what? That's who I've got to lean into. Jesus takes ordinary people. and He does extraordinary things to them. He takes simple people and he does incredible things through them. And so the thing is, is are we willing to say, Jesus, here I am, use me. Here I am, use my life, use my words, use my witness, use whatever I have. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I love that statement. So these religious people, these council members, you might say, well, they, they, they recognized them as, hey, they saw him with him. But what if, what if they were going, you know what, they could... They can see the same boldness. They can see the same courage. Remember, Jesus stood before this council. They questioned him. They spit upon him. They called him a liar. They called him all these things. 
And, and, you know, and they saw there was something different about Jesus. But it says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Can people tell that you've been with Jesus? Do people see Jesus in you? Do they, do they, see, do they see Jesus in your actions? Do they hear him in your words? Do the people around you that know you, do they, do they hear the gospel from time to time? Do they hear good news? Do they hear a good report? Do they hear positive speaking, positive teaching? Do they hear hope? Or do they, are, are you a negative Nancy? Or, you know, you're down and out. You're always a bottom dweller and it's always nay, nay, nay. You know, or do you speak life? Because here's the thing. People around us look to see who we've been around. And if we're around certain people long enough, we'll begin to act like them. We'll begin to talk like them. We'll begin to think like them. And so maybe you need to surround yourself with people that, I mean, they've been around Jesus. But are you living out your faith? Are you sharing your faith? Are you talking to them about the Lord and Savior of your life? A couple of next steps. One is to repent of your sins and turn to God. That's the message that Peter had, right? Peter understood repentance. Jesus even said, remember in Luke, hey, listen. Once you repent and turn back to me, strengthen your brothers. So what is God calling you to repentance for? Maybe you're sitting here today and you realize, you know what? Man, I am greedy. I'm, I, I covet. I covet what other people have. That's sin. I'm jealous. I'm jealous of what other people have. Uh, I'm jealous of my spouse. I'm jealous of whatever. Maybe it's hate. Maybe you hate people because of the color of their skin. Maybe you hate people because they're not in this country. Maybe you hate people because of what they believe. But whatever it might be, what's the sin in your life? Maybe you're a liar. I had a friend growing up, we used to joke to man, that guy would lie if the truth fit better. It's like he couldn't, it was like a stronghold in his life. That last song that we sang talked about strongholds coming down. And maybe you got a stronghold. Maybe you steal and it doesn't bother you at all to steal anything. It doesn't bother you at all to take something that belongs to someone else. You just feel like, hey, man, I was raised that way. That's not the way Jesus raised you or taught you. There's a lot of things that we were raised a certain way, but, man, when Jesus comes into your life, those things die. We crucify the flesh. We die to old ways. We say, I want to live for Christ. I want to live for Jesus. And so what is it that God has put on your heart today? Maybe it's to repent of your sins and turn to God. There may be some of you in this room or maybe watching online that, you know what, you realize today, I need to repent of my sins. I need to put my faith in Christ. I need to receive the gift of salvation that only comes through faith. Like Peter said, it's only through Jesus. It's the only name that we can be saved. And so today you realize, you know what, I've been trying all these other ways and I realize today that is the way. So let today be the day of salvation for you. And then follow Christ in believer's baptism. Follow Him. Surrender to Him. And then tell everybody about Him. So if you're here in the room today, maybe for you, that is your decision that you need to make today. And then here's, here's the last step. Begin your comeback. No matter how far you feel like, hey, I'm down, I'm out. Maybe it's a financial comeback. Maybe it's a relationship comeback. Maybe it's a marriage comeback. I love to see marriages redeemed. I love to see people celebrate their anniversary. I love to see Jesus save marriages. Because when he saves that marriage, it impacts the families. And maybe there's kids out there. Maybe you've got kids that you need to work on a relationship with. You need to ask God to forgive you. Maybe there's things you need to repent of, and you need to go ask someone to forgive you. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another so that healing may begin. 
Repent. Turn to God. Let Him cleanse you. Let Him heal you. And begin that comeback. Let's, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never been saved. All these years you've been trying to earn your way to heaven. You're trying to be, trying to be good enough. Try to do the right thing. Maybe God will let me in. He doesn't let us in because of our deeds. He lets us in because we've received His Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. And so maybe you're here today and that is your need. You just say, Jesus, I want to confess to you that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I confess that I have blown it. I want to ask you to forgive me. Will you forgive me of my sins? I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. Jesus, change the way I think about my sin. Change the way I think about you. That's repentance. So with all the faith that you have, just say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my leader, my Lord, my Savior. And I want to live for you. And I want to walk like Peter did. No longer in fear, but with boldness and courage and confidence. Not in my abilities, but what you can do through me, Christ. And so if that's your prayer, man, if you just prayed that prayer, if you would just raise your hand. If you're here in the room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed to receive Christ. I just asked Jesus to come into my life to save me. To, to bring salvation in my life. Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand. Anybody. All right, that tells me there's a lot of people in this room that are already believers. But let me tell you, there's plenty of, plenty of believers that need to repent. You know, Peter had to repent. But what is it that God has put on your heart today? You know, maybe right now you just need to ask God, God, show me what I need to repent of. God, maybe, maybe you've become callous to your sin. It doesn't bother you anymore. So God, break my heart over my sin. God, break my heart over my jealousy, my anger, my rage, my lust, whatever it might be. God, break my heart over that today. I want to repent. I want to turn to you, God, so that you can use me to build up others, to strengthen others, to impact others. What is it that he's calling you to repentance for today? Father, I thank you for loving us. And God, I pray that there's anybody, maybe somebody out there online, to put their faith in Jesus for salvation today. God, we want to know. We want to celebrate with them. But God, I know there's plenty of Christians, plenty of believers, plenty of followers who have drifted away. They've become more focused on this world and what this world has to offer. God, maybe they've made it all about them and everything's about self-preservation. It's all about what they want and what they need. And God, it's the I, I, I mentality. I pray that you would break our hearts over that. And God, we would make it about your kingdom. We'd make it about making Jesus famous. And everything that we do, we do would point towards Christ. Jesus as the author and perfecter of life. Father, use us as your vessels this week. But God, right now, break our hearts over our sin. Draw us close. Breathe life into us. Wash us and make us clean. But God, let us leave this place different. And that we would live differently. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for a powerful message this morning?